0: The views and opinions expressed by the guests on this podcast are that of their own. In no way, shape, or form do they reflect the official policy or position of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack.
1: You've descended into the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack a commercial diving podcast by working divers, for divers. All right, welcome to another episode of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. I'm your host, L.B. Diver.
0: Co-host, John Villarreal with uh, Port Town Divers.
2: Matt with Port Town Divers.
1: Nice. And we have a special guest today, uh, Jeff Teilst. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That was okay. So, Jeff, where are we at here? This place is awesome. Let our listeners know...
2: Well, we are in the Marine Diving Technologies Building at Santa Barbara City College, obviously in Santa Barbara, California. And uh, we've been in this building since 1970. Um, The program was actually founded in fall of 1968. So that's where we are, our little purpose-built facility down here.
0: And uh, can you tell some of the history on the school? Like, who were the founders?
2: You know it's it's really interesting somebody once said to one of the other directors that Santa Barbara was not a good place to have a dive school and his rationale was it's a very beautiful nice community right on the beach I mean we're stones throw from the beach and that people that come here don't necessarily want to leave to go to Southeast Louisiana and the Gulf of Mexico but there's a reason why this dive school is here and it's strictly my reasoning that, for the reason. And, you know, you have to understand that while most commercial diving activity is going on in North Sea or the Gulf of Mexico, the early activity was really here in California. Yeah, this, this was the birthplace of uh,
1: offshore oil diving. Uh, I'm glad you said that. You're wrong. Uh-huh. Oh, really? <laughs> According to that book that I read. Well...
0: Oh.
2: I, I, <laughs> you want a story, you're going
1: to get a couple.
2: Let's, so first, let's get a story. why were we here? Because there was a preponderance of commercial diving going on here, and there, were, there was oil. There was a need. Not 10 miles from here, there was an earthquake sometime in the 1800s where in Summerland where oil started pouring out of the side of the cliff. <clears throat> within an hour, I can take you to oil seeps on land, not to mention the ocean, um, where it's just coming out of the, it's, and we're having a problem with it, getting into the creeks and getting in the ocean. Yeah. So you had oil and they chased that oil offshore. Right, you know, we, we put up hundreds of derricks on land, but as we start going offshore and we start building piers out there. Well, almost simultaneously, there was an abalone fishery out here. And so there were, and the way you get abs is divers get them. And so they were diving using the old, you know, surplus Navy Mark V helmets and that kind of stuff. So you had a need, and you had young entrepreneurs that were interested in doing it. And then the last little thing was you had two gentlemen by the name of Bob Kirby and Bev Morgan. Um, Bob, a metalsmith tinker, Bev, a surfer. I believe like the the first scuba instructor in California who got together and started experimenting, founding Diving Systems International, which now owns 98% of the helmet share in the world. So you've (laughs) got three things. At the same time, we were in Vietnam, the Department of Defense, this is the rumor, was was looking. they, They wanted to have marine technicians to support Oil and gas development—you know—it support the war effort. I mean, one thing you don't know is up in uh, up uh, in Avila, that pier was the major oil distribution port for the, the efforts of World War II. It, it won some kind of recognition, you know, from the president at the time. So, you know, some far-sighted people started thinking and saying, you know, we would like to formalize dive training commercial diving training. And there were other divers. There was probably the most famous one that nobody knows about was was the um, Spalding School of Commercial Diving down in Long Beach. A lot of the old timers that you may have rubbed shoulders with or have heard about went through that school. So we weren't the first, but we were kind of the first formalized one. And that's how we ended up here. And then how we ended up being what we are was a gentleman by the name of Danny Wilson, who you should do some research on. Well, you probably read about him, who arguably there's so many secret things that diving people is fast. You know, it's fascinating that they don't understand. But some would argue that Danny probably made the first successful mixed gas dive. He did it out here in Santa Barbara Channel, and he did it in. Uh, 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 abalone diving helmet that he'd taken over to Santa Barbara Radiator and had a second stage regulator soldered into it you know and so then he was one of the founders of Subsea International um, who's defunct now but their colors are blue and white our colors are blue and white there's a reason for that and they wanted to formalize a lot of the divers getting into the diving business um, at the time were Navy divers Mm -hmm. Trained in the Navy way, Danny was looking more for college-educated young people that he could train, you know? Um, Danny Wilson, if, if, if he found a compressor, he liked every compressor that we owned was that model, you know? And it didn't matter if you were in Singapore or Aberdeen or Santa Barbara or New Orleans, it was the same. Well, that's what he wanted with his diving. And that's that's kind of how we got here. Oh, nice. I, want, I want to. I'm sorry, I've spoken a long time. I want to give you one other. note. we were not founded as a commercial diving school. We were founded as a school. Um, our our charter, our objective, says something along the lines of uh, we were to establish a training program for marine technicians to support scientific and commercial endeavors on, in, and around the water. And then the second part was to establish training for people to be able to do, and I'm, I'm butchering the words, um, specialized, ta- specialized tasks underwater. So that's what we, were, what we were designed to do, and I think it's what we
1: do too. Do now. Nice. I, I mean, this area's got a huge storied history in diving. Yes. I mean, I was referring to the first uh, offshore oil rig was uh, was not too far yeah, well, from here. And
2: the reason why I smiled and laughed, yeah. and uh, let's just assume that pretty much most of what I say is BS that I've made up on the spot. And I don't I don't know shit, but it's it'll sound good and be entertaining. Okay? So crack a beer and listen to the stories. Um, I went to Bev... Um, to Bev Morgan's 75th birthday party, I think it was. He owned a restaurant down here. And I was talking to Bob Ratcliffe, who was the inventor of the rat hat of Oceaneering fame, and I pridefully announced that Santa Barbara was the birthplace of commercial diving. And he said, no, it's not. Santa Barbara was the birthplace of deep commercial diving. Santa Barbara is where the kind of the helium era, you know, epic of our industry took off with Danny Wilson. And then, you know, once Danny did that, well, then the other companies here had to compete and do that too. And you could do a whole show, you know, and I could show you in my office, you know, the one of the first reclaim helmets, our, our first mixed gas helmets um, that, that was made here in Santa Barbara. And it was basically a Yokohama helmet um, that... Bob Kirby was, they were talking about how they had to compete with Danny Wilson and offshore divers, or whoever you'd think I'd know, I don't remember. Um, and he said, Well, and he saw a Folgers can, and he, he stuck it on the back of the Yokohama, and he said, We'll just make this Venturi rebreather, reclaim kind of system, semi closed circuit system. So, yeah, Santa Barbara is a mecca for diving, but I've seen a picture of Alexander the Great. On some stamp, you know, my history fails me, but it was, I think, B.C. was Alexander the Great in, like, a wooden barrel, so.
1: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, history itself, you know, has they, they've been doing it since the ancient times. You know, I sure. think the Romans even had had a dive team going, which was kind of yeah. funny. Pick up the urn, urn yeah. or whatever. That's great. But, yeah, so was that, like, an argument back then? Like, oh, who did it first or who did better? I Where do we know. do this and that? I mean, now nobody cares, you know. But
2: Yeah, I don't know. You, you know, one of the weird things is that there was a time, and, and I hope that your viewers read that book into the lion's mouth. I'm sure you guys are well aware of it. If you're not, I'll give you guys a copy. Oh, nice. That'd be great. Incredible book. And he talks about the Santa Barbara Mafia. So, you know, in the late in the very early 70s a lot of the commercial divers out there were from here you know it, it would not be particularly unusual in 1972 three or four graduate get on a plane being a bell you know 48 hours later in the North Sea um, so yeah there 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 really is a lot of history and you know, we would go down there to subsea, and most of us were, you know, we're, were Santa Barbara guys. It was, it was really a trip, and there was, you know, really some animosity between the local people. You know, because we'd go down there, and we're from California, right? Like, um, it's really flat here. It's really hot here. Yeah, your girls are not particularly attractive compared to the ones we have back home. You know, that would really piss them off. And I remember... Um, I made friends with a guy from Morgan City, which is, if I owned hell in Morgan City, I would live in hell and rent out Morgan City. It is not (laughs) a nice place. You may want to edit that out. (laughs) No, we're keeping that that Um, Nice guy, though. And you know, you guys know as well as I do, you can't do this alone. You need a mentor, right? You, You need somebody to show you the tricks along the way. And this guy's name is Buddy. His real name is Ernest, but. He was from the South, so fuck it was Buddy. And uh, I used to just bust his balls all the time about how beautiful Santa Barbara was and how subsea was founded by Santa Barbarans. And we were, you know, there was was an inherent superiority to West Coast divers because we are used to cold, bad viz, you know, bad bad conditions in the water. And he, he hated it. He was senior to me. And I'll never forget, we did a job up around Point Conception, It was a sat surface gas surface air job we've been out there a long time on a beautiful dutch barge and this crew boat a tidewater crew boat uh, oh not a crew boat a supply boat came up probably 230 40 a a bigger boat at the time beautiful just it was beautiful brand new and it said on it on on the bow you read its name was pacific pride and i took grab buddy i took him over i said buddy That's, look at that. That's the difference between (laughs) us and you guys. That beautiful boat, blue and white with North Sea stacks, and you got those scows down in the Gulf. Man, look at that. And, you know, he was pissed. And so I took off, walked away a little bit later on. He comes, he grabs me, goes, he goes, man, he dragged me over there, and we went to the stern, and it said Pacific Pride. Morgan City, Louisiana. (laughs) And he had a styrofoam cup in his hand, and he threw it in the ocean. You know, of course, I freaked out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you're from California. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, I'll never forget that. That's great, yeah. but yeah, now now diving's a worldwide. You know, everybody in the world, you know, has their divers. You know, oh, you got for sure, like, man. Chinese divers, Singapore, you know, Indian, and you know, they're Egyptian. all good.
0: Yeah, Egyptian.
1: Yeah. We actually do have a worldwide following on the show, which I'm really That's proud cool. and excited about. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've got listeners from over seventy countries. Wow! Which to me, it's it's amazing. You cool. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, cool. It's so great to be here today to talk with you, Jeff, mm-hmm. and uh, to Thanks. see the school. Um, because again, yeah, it didn't start here, maybe, you know, that's up in the well, air, I but mean, it's the general birthplace, you know. Well, it, it has its spot now. in yeah. the history. You exactly. Know, it has a spot
2: in the world of commercial diving. So yeah.
0: And being from the 70s, it's a testament to the program because, unfortunately, this is the last yeah. dive school in California. Yeah. That boggles my mind yeah. still. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there used to be
2: coastal school deep-sea diving up in Oakland and then College, of, College Oceaneering. of Oceaneering.
0: yeah.
2: We used to do a cool thing, at least what, it, well, I wasn't here then, but when I was a student here, we would go down we would dive the uh, College of Oceaneering system mm-hmm. and then... Um, They'd come up and dive our stuff. It was it was kind of neat, you know. We we'd spend a day at each other's facilities. That's, that's pretty cool, cool. But yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah, that's that's still kind of pretty crazy to me, though. You know, with this being the only school in California now, um, part of it too is that uh, a lot of these schools they find it kind of hard to hard to survive. You know, Now, given we've heard stories about certain uh, certain schools that their success rate, you know, their pass rates, you know, pretty much almost a hundred percent. You know, you don't hear of anyone. You know, failing this school is they're paying their thirty thousand dollars to go there and and uh and they're guaranteed a a dive card. You know, but this school is not like that.
2: Yeah, I mean when I went here we had I think it was about a fifty percent success rate from the dive physical uh and the swim test to the guys who actually graduated.
1: Now is that saying that's that's not saying that um the staff is not doing a good job. It's I, I, I mean, why is the, the pass rate a little different here? Well, I can't speak to the
2: other schools and their paradigm, but um, ours, our clients are our students for sure, right? But our clients are also the employers that hire our students, and you know, you and I were talking a little bit um, earlier about how you how you grow within this business and it's really a reputation isn't it you know when when i decided i wanted to move back to california i made a couple phone calls to people i knew i didn't send them resumes or if i did send them a resume then i don't know if they looked at it or anything so Santa Barbara city colleges you know we we live and die by our reputation we're also a state funded school so you know we i I won't die if I don't have a full class. Does, does that make sense? I, you know, if, if I don't have 50 students, I'll, I'll, st- I'll still get my funding. I'll, I'll still um, still be able to run the program. And, you know, and then part of it is a personal thing for myself and and the faculty here is you know we have professional reputations. Dan works in the summertime. You guys have worked with him. Mm-hmm. I I work in the summertime. I go off still go offshore a little bit and we're not going to for one thing we don't pass or fail students we count scores right Right. and all we can do is teach to the standard and then assess fairly and objectively and I mean I I I have a four-year degree I have a bachelor's degree actually from you guys from Cal State Long Beach nice and, and education you know, I took a whole semester long class on assessments and that's such a big part of what we do you know is to make sure that we have fair and accurate assessments but to get to your point um not everyone is cut out for commercial diving and it may be just from an intellectual capacity or a lack of intellectual curiosity um here's how I lose students. It's a really simple deal. Um, I'll lose a couple of them that bust out in the physical either sometime because we have to, we're under the auspices of the United States coast guard. You know, you guys are under the auspices of the United States, uh, of OSHA. And so drug use is not allowed. Even if you have a 215 card, I think that's what it is. So everyone gets drug screened. So that can bust people out. People, it's rare, but on occasions we get people that had a polyp on their lungs. Some condition they never knew they had that really it means nothing terrestrially, but could be fatal underwater. So they go away. And then we have the swim evaluation. It's not the hardest swim evaluation in the world, um, but you have to be able to swim. Hoping you can swim ain't going to get it. You know, being out of shape, ain't going to get it. Being hungover, uh, you know, probably not your best move. Um, so we will lose 15, 20, sometimes 30% in the swim test. And then I told you before we're modular, so we go on eight-week chunks. So like the quarter system, if any of you remember that mm-hmm. back from college. Um, it's the first The first quarter is the hardest. In my mind, Matt, maybe you could uh extrapolate a little bit more talk a little bit more um but we started seven which means i want you here at six thirty, no later than six forty-five, right because if you miss the crew boat or you miss the helicopter you're only going to miss it once around me i promise you i'll just get another be, tenders are super easy to get um so you know dan teaches so much, so much what Dan teaches is, you know, the equipment, how to work the equipment, how to maintain the equipment, how to, you know, don the equipment, how to use the equipment, that kind of stuff. And, and I teach mixed gas diving some, and some of the other stuff. But I really feel that it's appropriate and important for me to teach the effective skills that make you successful. You know, being on time, being reliable, hard work, that kind of stuff. And, and I, I'm not getting off topic. I'm going to get there. So, a lot of young people are not prepared to get yelled at at 6.45 in the morning. (laughs) So, I tell them, get here at 6.30. My guess, I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I was in this school, but as much learning goes on in that parking lot at 6.45 than does in this classroom at 7.45. They're sharing notes. They're sharing homework. They're sharing stories. You know, they're bonding within their, their, their group. And you walk in here at two, and all I got to say is thank God for tenure. <laughs> because if the administration ever heard what comes out of my mouth, it would be interesting. <laughs> I don't like it if you're late. So some of the young people are like, Ooh. I've had a student quit that came to school here and worked for my brother at in the evening in the grocery business and he quit coming one day and we finally found him and I said his, I can't remember his name whatever I go, Why, why'd you quit work he kept coming here he didn't go to, he goes because I couldn't take you yelling at me all day and then your brother going getting in on me all night you know oh, wow. <laughs>
1: It's, welcome it, to the dive business well
2: that's it man i don't want to lie to these young people i don't want
1: them to spend you, you time. don't want to lie and, and and tell them they're going to be underwater welders no. making millions and no, they're not going to make a hundred dollars an hour
2: <laughs> you know they're not flying all over the world they're not picking up gold doubloons in the playboy pool none of that shit's happening i just saw this video and the They were interviewing the head of um, I think it was the head of Shell Deepwater. It it was somebody like that. And he said, you know, and and again, I'm an oil guy, so I'm speaking from an oil perspective. There's so many different we could talk one day or you're perfectly um, prepared and and ready to talk about civil diving versus offshore. But, you know, you find oil in hospitable or inhospitable areas of the world. You know, if it's dark, cold. Rough, nasty, remote—that's where you're going to go to work. And so, I want people to understand. You know, this is what you're, you're what you're getting into. The other thing is, so when I was young, they called this vocational education. It's gone through iterations of names. It's now called career technical education. And people, you know what I'm saying, and your l- viewers are going to know as well. A lot of times, people think that the trades are for dummies. And, and I don't know if I've articulated that correctly, but that's what it, it's not. It's not one. The trades right now are the hottest thing in the job market. You know, I wish my son were essential a, workers. Yeah, we are. Yeah. You know, electrician or a plumber or something. But he, okay, so my deepest dive was 605 feet. I was at the five feet because I want to make damn sure everyone knows <laughs> it's deeper than 600. You know, because that's a hundred fathoms. So don't don't think that I'm glorifying myself or anything, but I was breathing 98% helium, 2% oxygen. Anything less than 16%, you're dead. How is it possible? Mm -hmm. Physics. It's possible with physics. You know, all the stuff that we do. You know, okay, go pick up that 3-meter by 3-meter by 3-meter concrete slab, Okay, well, how much flotation do I need? There's a lot of math involved in diving. Now, thank God, for us, it's simple math. You know, it's solved for X. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, the quadratic equation or polynomials or anything. It's, it's relatively simple stuff. But by virtue of what we do for a living, it's almost always a word problem. We all know word problems are hard. So I'm going to lose... Um, I'm going to lose. Well, we're in physics right now. We have, what, 20? I'll lose 10 to 15%. Promise you. It, mm-hmm. they just can't do
0: it.
1: Some of them can't, and some of them won't. Well, the, that's the thing, is a lot of the stuff that you're going through, it's not subjective. It's checkboxes. And it's also test scores. Well, God, I hope don't it's pass not
2: subjective, because if you're counting on me to be I'm subjective. telling
1: you, I'm hinting, I'm just saying I don't understand the success rate of some of the other schools that are operating. Now, given there's some that have been shuttered, that are in the process of being shuttered, and uh, because they were doing things that, 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 you know, wasn't to the law, you know, they're doing illegal stuff. Um, we're not going to get into that. But I was just, uh, like I said, I was really curious about the... Uh, the washout rate. Let's call a washout, I guess, here because yeah. that's what happens. You know, they they don't pass the classes, they don't pass the courses, and then that's it. They're done. Um, now, can they come back and retake those classes? Is, is it on just a like space, a college? Yeah,
2: on a space available basis, they can. I mean, and there's always space, so yeah, they can come back the next year
1: and retake those classes. Um, but just because they paid the money, they're not guaranteed a dive card. They still no. have to actually pass. The class. Yeah, that's the way we do
2: it around here, pretty much. Why is um, that not... Last time I checked, <laughs> if you don't do the work where you guys are, they're not going to hand you the check.
0: Right.
1: Right.
2: And you ain't getting it here for free either, just because you want it. I don't care.
0: So you uh, don't know why that's not standard?
1: I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe they're saying that it is standard, but yeah. I don't understand how you're having... 30 kids that are going in the start of the class, and you've got 30 that are graduating at some well, of these places.
2: You're not doing the young person or, or I don't know, young, we have smaller. You're yeah. not doing the student or the graduate any favors because this business, you know, it, it, it sorts you out pretty damn quick. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the dude down there with a coffee cup in one hand, your hand in your pocket, and the other guy's got a Crescent wrench, looking very concerned... Who do you think's gonna be going on the next job? It ain't gonna be, you know, clown one. It's gonna be the dude that cares. That's Diamond's pretty simple, really. You know, you have to have the natural ability, to, you know, mechanical skills, then you just gotta give shit. And they're pretty much sad at that
1: point. I mean, if you're not good at math, it's not like you're going to fail. You no. get better. You know, you study.
2: <laughs> you know well the college spends millions of dollars on tutoring and math we have a math lab typically we have found that and i the math lab is great the writing lab is great the problem is our kind of math doesn't really translate that well they don't understand what partial pressure and why is it important well it's really freaking important but so if i can at all um, I will get students, the returning students, or, you know, other students to help. Also, we have a great relationship with the library. They'll give us learning spaces. They'll give us our own spaces where you can have group learning. Nice. That kind of stuff. You Definitely. don't have to be Einstein. You just got to want to do it and take, use the resources we give you and solve for X. It's always an X. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's... What we're getting at here, it's not one of those where you just kind of look at them and by what they're saying and the way they look and the way they're working, we're not saying that, oh, dude, you're not going to make it. Sorry, I'm going to fail you. <laughs> it's not that, you know. No, and you it's, know I learned on the
2: very first day that I was a teacher, day one, a Monday, I came in here and I looked at the class and within a second or two, I had decided in my mind who was going to be successful and who wasn't, based purely on looks. And I know they looked at me, and looked, said, "Who the hell is this guy?" And I can tell you this: you now this is my 23rd year. I was wrong. I was nice. Completely freaking wrong. You know, the good-looking, wealthy little white kids from Sonoma. Nope. <laughs> there was this one dude. Probably from Long Beach. Looked like a freaking gangbanger. I'm like, no way. <laughs> that's the dude that made it. It's
0: right.
1: so the oh, dude making the, the millions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, you can make a lot of money that, in this trade. You can. Yeah. We no, can. We're, we're not telling you you can't, guys that are listening. And you that's can make story. money. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. He's probably in the set right now.
1: Probably <laughs> listening to the bottom dollars. I've checked.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully listening.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So I mean that's just the way we run our school, you know, or try to be as legit as possible. And um Yeah, I, I don't know really know how to
1: grow that topic too no, much No, I more. mean you pretty much answered that question, you know, right there and uh that kind of kind of speaks to I mean cuz you you're going to get paid the tuition whether they pass or not. So I'm pretty sure that helps you also. Uh not, yes and know. no. <laughs> I
2: uh, if they la- I think they have to last four weeks for me to get paid. One, I don't get the tuition. Right, but the state gets the tuition. Yeah. Um, two, the t- tuition is so paltry that doesn't matter either. Um, you know, their tuition's like I told you, like seventeen hundred dollars or something. Yeah, it's the funding I get from the governor's office. That's that's what keeps
1: us afloat. So. I'm just saying it, it. It definitely affords you a little bit more, uh, more freedom, I would imagine. You know, to not be beholden to like shareholders or something. You know? you know, you know what?
2: that sums it up right
1: there. Certainly.
2: You know, if your job relies on student success or profits, you, know, you might sharpen that pencil a little bit more. or Use the eraser. I don't know. Things
1: happen. I'm guessing. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of just a question that I had about that as far as, like, you know, different, different success rates and stuff like that. And, and you answered that really well. well you know, you, you know, know. can't speak to what other schools are doing because you don't know. None of us know. Mm-hmm. But um, there are students here that don't make it because they're not passing the classes or they're not meeting the requirements, you know, checking those check boxes, So
2: Well, I mean, just one just more thing, you know, and we can move on. Um, student success... And job placement are are two huge things for in reality, but also for your advertising, right? You're advertising, I hey, had 97 percent success rate, and you know 93 percent of them get the jobs that they're applying for. That looks pretty damn good. Well. Another school that's no longer here—the only other one in California—I I, want to say that its advertising budget for a year was about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. And I know the director, former director now, uh, minus five hundred dollars. So wow. we have no advertising. So I don't have to worry about that. You know what I buy? I have koozies made up. If I have any, I'll give you all a koozie. Oh, nice. Perfect. I and I give them to the students. I might even use one right after the show. Very well, and I
1: tell them to put cokes in, but I, <laughs> once they
2: leave, I don't give a shit what they put in it.
1: Well, speaking of advertising, let's pause for a quick second and hear from some of our uh, wonderful sponsors
0: RentalToolsOnline.com. RTO. They've got you covered with rental tools that can handle the most demanding marine construction jobs and available to ship anywhere in the globe. But don't let the name fool you. They also have new tools and equipment for sale at some of the best prices around with amazing customer service. RTO has a Trustpilot score of 4.9 out of five with almost 200 reviews. They're real customers, non-paid real thoughts. Divex Marine was impressed by the great inventory. Bill Eubanks at Harbor Diving Service praised the customer support and fast shipping. And John Shaw at Advanced Marine Services says, For a small contractor who needs to rent, RTO is the perfect solution. Quick and painless. Rental Tools Online carries all the major brands like Stanley, Nemo, JW Fishers, and even Pressure Junkies to name a few. RTO has their own house brand that meets or exceeds industry standards. It's called Joint Zone. Not the place you used to smoke doobies by the bleachers, but an affordable hydraulic tool and lift bag alternative. Their joint zone lift bags are manufactured with a higher puncture resistance and load capacity than many other lift bags on the market. With advanced designs and materials, including optional cold weather coating, you don't have to worry about the next salvage job. If you want to see them for yourself, they'll be at the DEMA dive show in Vegas, unveiling a brand new lift bag design unlike anything else on the market. So for the most convenient way to rent or purchase tools, go to rentaltoolsonline.com. That's rentaltoolsonline.com. Back to the show.
1: But yeah, so I, I mean... A lot of a lot of schools hands are tied because of money. Well, I wouldn't even say hands are damn tied. You know, it's just kind of a sad state of affairs. But uh, I'm glad that you guys are, are doing well here, and uh, uh, you're putting out some good quality students. And uh, the ones that you know aren't getting put out, you know, they're 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 you know, I'm just saying they're probably not going to make it anyways. No, probably you know, not. So
2: and and in all fairness, you know, we teach. Every dive school teaches to the American National Standards, um, ACDE-01-2015. It's called the minimum standard for commercial diving. We go above and beyond it a little bit because of some of the other, you know, seamanship and other classes. And we have academic classes as well. But you guys know as well as I do that when you get in the field, that's where the learning begins. Mm -hmm. You know, I sort the biggest rocks. You get out there and you don't want Matt yelling at you and telling you that today we'll be working 18 hours and dinner is the burrito off the Roach Coach. Sometimes they're pretty good. Yeah, no, sometimes they are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: sometimes they are pretty good.
1: But you 100% will pay for it later, though. Right. Your body will. Yeah. <laughs> keep... yeah. All right. But I tell you what, man, this is not a trade. This is not a trade for everybody. And uh-huh. and and uh, thank you for being honest. Um speaking of not being a trade for everybody, um really glad that Matt was able to join us today. Yeah, so, right on, I haven't seen you and, uh, I'm just kidding, dude. Don't look at me like you wanna stab me in the neck. <laughs> Such a tool, man no. Uh, I, I, I wanted to know kind of when you knew that this is what you wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, when you knew that this trade was for you, you know, and when you decided to, to make this a living.
2: You know, it was weird. I don't, I don't know that I ever had that catharsis, you know, epiphany. Um, my story, real briefly, as I grew up in Santa Barbara, um, the 5th kid the last kid of older parents and you know by the time you run through five it's like as long as he kind of makes it home more or less alive that's golden you know so I, I was pretty free and I spent a ton of time down on the beach and on the beach you know you, you kind of meet some interesting personalities and I spent a lot of time in the harbor I'd listen to it back then it was abalone divers or stories and stuff and um, one day I was walking along. I was going to followed it. Like a lot of us, I followed a girl to college. And I saw the diving bell going up and down. And I, and I was a surfer. That was my big deal. Big surfer. And a uh, scuba diver, too. My brother was really into scuba diving. And I followed him. I didn't really want to do it. But anyway, long story short, I went down, asked him what they did. And they told me they make commercial divers work all over the world. You can make $85,000 a year. Well, this is 1978. You know, I... $5 like a million dollars now. <laughs> I was freaking out. I'm like, sign me up, man. I'm your guy. And I went through the program, and it's the only thing I've ever been good at, you know, really good at. I was an okay athlete. I was an okay student. But for some reason, I was really good at this. And, you know, I, I liked the work. I liked what adventure there was. Um it it just fit me that's all just it it fit me really good and you know some of my friends would say I was too stupid to do anything else I don't know maybe that's true just um, those of us that have been in the water know how I felt and what I felt about it and a student came back and this is something maybe the people that are contemplating this business should consider Um, this was Kind of this, this guy I never thought would really make it, you know, mousy kind of guy from the Bay Area. And he did. He went and he did it and then he quit. Um, and he came back to me and told me he'd become a paramedic in Denver. And he said, Jeff, there's a thing called, I keep, sco- there's a thing called the seven year rule. he said, at the seventh year, that's when you have to make the decision. You either get out or you stay in. And I think he's right, because it's seven years. If you, if this is the business for you, you'll never be able to make this much money again doing anything else. You know, yeah. and if and then if you quit, and move on. At seven years, maybe you can parlay what you've learned into being an EMT or a paramedic or a union welder or whatever. But you know that was certainly true for me. It was probably right around five years for me. There was no way I was ever going to make more money. And, you know, I, when I said I had a bachelor's degree, I went back and got my bachelor's degree after I started here because I realized that throwing stuff at the students and yelling louder wasn't effective teaching method, so I decided to learn how. So before, all I had was associate's degree. And that little associate's degree from Santa Barbara City College made me more money than any of my friends with their engineering degrees or my wife with a master's degree from Tulane University. Now, it wasn't, they didn't just send me the check, you know, I had to get on a boat or a barge or chopper or whatever and go work and, you know, do nasty stuff for long hours, but you know, Jeff Sones is home and drives a piece of junk truck only because i too cheap to buy a new truck at
1: 50,000 I ain't doing it it's a freaking pickup truck so that's true though too I I mean at at some point because I had the same thing too where you become a successful diver you know say you've broken out or you got Mm -hmm. to the point to where you're 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 not hunting around for work too much Um, you still do have that decision to make because it's a life it's a tough life you know, especially when you do have kids and stuff, and exactly. uh, I was going through that decision. Fortunately, I was able to make the right decision and uh, and join the Port of Long Beach team. But uh, I was at that point to where it's like something's going to give here. I either better get better carpentry, or uh, you know, think well, about giving up the the, the 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 trade. You know, that's
2: a perfect point. I mean, that's so viable. I'm really glad you brought it up because. You know, your diving career is an evolution. And so for me, I didn't get married till I was, I think, 35 or something like that. I was dedicating my life. But then I think in all of our lives, you get to a point where that stuff that was fun at two in the morning on Christmas Day, you know, away from your family, ain't fun anymore. So now what do you do? You know, do you you buy a Jiffy Lube, a 7-11, you I got into management. You found a, a, a union, you know, four tens or whatever it is you guys do. Job. Um, yeah, I, I I have friends in their fifties still going offshore. There are guys that do it, but I didn't want to. I got married and had a baby girl. I want to see the baby.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, at some point, some guys don't have a choice, you know, because, you know, at, at some point you're, you're kind of stuck in the trade and uh, you just got to run its course, yep. you know, and yes, you do make good money. But, you know, sometimes at what cost, you know, yeah. and uh, kudos yeah. to those guys that are out there doing it, listening mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, at times have felt that, you know, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a touchy subject, you know, tell you the truth, because it's like, we love what we do, but it's like, at what cost?
2: You know. Well, if I would say, and not to pitch my own school, one of the cool things about us is you can get an associate's degree, which means you're getting the oceanography, the biology, you know, you have to have your, your basic, basic math and English skills, you know, your social sciences, that kind of stuff, and... I think that what makes you successful as a commercial diver are those effective skills. Are you honest? Um, are you on time? You know, do you work hard? Do you learn from your mistakes? Those kind of things. And those, to this day, I still have to have those skills. But if you want to move into to being a supervisor or a superintendent or a management position, they're going to hand you a project execution plan, a set of prints, and say, "Go for it." And you need to be able to read that. You have to be somewhat articulate. Spelling and grammar is important because you have to write a report. Um, you know, so academic skills are what are helpful later on in your career, right? I mean, sometimes you got to negotiate a change order on the spot, or you know, at least you tell your client, "Hey, we're off the ticket now." This is what it's going to cost you per hour, per day, whatever. I don't know about you guys, but every morning at 6 o'clock, I have to have the report from the day before sent in for their 7 o'clock meeting.
1: But, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, there, there there's some uh, divers that we know that are still going strong, you know, past mm-hmm. 60. We just talked about Ralph, yeah, for the American Ralph. Marine, and, you know, he's still diving his Yokohama, which is, which is pretty crazy to me. But, uh, hey, more, more power to yeah, them. Yeah, no, they're still out there. God bless them. All right. Well, we're going to take another quick little break. Uh, we're going to hear from one of our sponsors.
0: Yo, this is Johnny from Port Town Divers, and I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. Show your support of diver-owned small businesses by heading over to our Instagram at Port Town Divers clicking the link in the bio, and finding both PTD and BDDS apparel. Now back to the episode.
1: All right, well, we're back here to Santa Barbara Community College uh, speaking with Jeff Teilst. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely been a pleasure. Um, and do, do you have anything else you wanted to ask, Matt?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, just, Jeff, you've got sort of legendary status among uh, past MDT graduates as being a, a guy with tons of stories about diving, I know you did some deep dives. So, if you've just got any any stories, any oh shit moments, or just you want to chronicle, you know, a couple dives or any stories, we'd love to hear them before we wrap this thing. All
2: right. Well, um, interesting segue. <laughs> yeah, one thing about our school is that. We intentionally put students under duress. In fact, on a swim test, we intentionally put them into oxygen deprivation because we want to see how they react, right? And we've actually had some discussions with um, administration, some city officials about some things that have happened in the pool with students and you know I always tell them listen we want them to happen in a controlled environment in the pool so that they're not experiencing it for the first time in real time um, and so what I want to say is we when a student comes to City College they have to sign waivers that they understand that diving is an inherently dangerous activity. And we do our very, very best um, to make it as safe as possible. I mean, obviously, safety is paramount in, you know, it's a value, not a priority. It's all about safety. They take the knives away, all that kind of stuff. Um, But anybody that spends any time in this business is going to find themselves in a sticky wicket at some point, right? It's just, it's going to happen. And, and thankfully, uh, I, I will eventually tell your story. And well, that's why question. we
1: asked for it. So that way we can learn so, from all these well, experiences that other divers have.
2: You know, when I got into the business, people getting bent, was pretty damn routine. You know, if we were on deep jobs or on gas jobs, it would not be unusual for somebody who've been bent. I've been bent four times that I can remember. Um, when I left the business, you know, when I went into management, when I left offshore, which had been 96, the bends rate at at the time, I was friends with the, the safety guy over at American Oil Field Divers. He told me their bends rate was somewhere on the order of 1 in 15,000 dives. So our students could easily go through their, their entire careers without ever seeing a bend. But chances are, you know, I've lost gas on bottom a couple times. Um, you know, I, you don't, I don't even remember you know, some of the stuff, most of it was pretty benign. It was, hey, I lost gas. I had a bailout bottle. Unfortunately, back then we didn't wear bailout bottles, <laughs> so I didn't fucking have one. But I had a pneumo hose. Don't let <laughs> anyone tell you that won't save your life, because I saved mine twice. Nice. Um, but I remember one story, and I think that this story will go with me for the rest of my life, or this this incident. It's a story to you, it's my life. And I'll tell you this, and your listeners this, and my colleagues in my age group and level of expertise knows, I stress out a lot more about the accidents that could have happened to friends of mine Rather than the ones that happened to me, I wake up at night. My mom, my mom, my wife says I talk at night. I know I talk at night. I can still see the bell stuck right at the water level with eight-foot waves coming through and beating the hell out of it with two of my best friends in it. You know, I remember those. The ones you—I was a superintendent. You know, my story that, that happened to me is—it's a good story and but I, I don't dwell on it at night. I just think that's maybe human nature, maybe it's just me. But I was uh, in sat with a new Bell partner, um, Tad, good dude, still in the business a really good guy came from taylor which was weird because my company subsea we typically didn't we like to grow organically we typically didn't bring people in at higher levels but i'm glad we got tad because he was a good dude man and um the diving supervisor was a marine tech graduate and um we had don't ask me why we had brought a consultant in um, to help out on this particular project, it was a scrapping job. We're, we were—I don't know why they did it first, but they had us removing the debris around a platform before they removed the platform, instead of vice versa. But whatever, who am I to
1: say that's right. what they did? for
2: yeah, I don't care. Hey, put debris in basket. You're paying me. That sounds whatever you want. Where's now. the money? Yeah, where's the money? And so the consultant was a, a marine was actually a faculty member here in the Marine Tech. And um, I was the second per. I was the bellman. I was the second person that was going to lock out that day, and Tad was out. And what they did is they had a skiff or a skip. I don't know what it's called, but a, basically a dumpster, you know, but a giant one. You know the ones mm-hmm. that are on. They're eight foot wide by twenty feet long or yep. something. And one end of it was open. And so we had picked up all of the stuff that we could pick up by hand and throw in. And what they had was a sonar, a sonar down there so they could track us. They could see us because of our bubbles and our bailouts. And then they, they would just go, you know, go to your left or your right, and they would send us to go look for that hard target that they saw. And if we could pick it up, we'd throw it in the, in the bin. And if we couldn't pick it up, They had a tugger wire that came down and went to a snatch block at the far end, the closed end of the bin, and then you could drag that tugger wire out Mm -hmm. and wrap it around whatever it was, which was usually a handrail or grating, you know, the normal crap that's down there, and drag it into the bin. So Tad had been doing that for hours and hours, and it was time for the belch, or not the belching around, but the diver change out. And we had, for some reason, really bad comms that day. Today, that bell would be up on the surface and they'd fix them damn comms. Back then it was, can you make it work days? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we can make it work. So the decision was to not trip out the bin. Usually they'd take and they'd dump the bin during diver turnarounds and bell turnarounds. They decided not to. So Tad did me a huge favor. And he brought a three-quarter inch poly line back to the bell that was attached to the bin, and he tied it around the ring at the bottom of the bell. You know, so you got bell, and then you got stage. Well, it was tied, not at the very bottom, right here. And it was, I don't know why he did it, because they had sonar, they could've walked me straight there, right. but he, you know, that's what we do. Oh, well, we, we put down lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it right. was nature, a down yeah. line. You know. It was a traveling line, yeah. line. And he did me a huge favor. So then all I would have had to do is pop out, go down the traveling line, boom, bada-bing, bada-boom, I'd have been there. Well, <laughs> they decided they were going to trip out the bin while we were changing out, and they didn't tell us. Or if they did, we weren't smart enough. Calm, I don't know. I'm sitting in the bell. Tad is standing in the bell with his helmet off. I'll never forget it. Black helmet. Black back 17B, and it was off like this. And we're talking, you know, how it is when you're having a turn around. And all of a sudden, the bell goes, whoop! And Tad, and a wave comes flying in wow. the bell. Oh. And Tad is screaming, I'll stop, I'll stop. I'm thinking that the, we were on a crossover. The crossover broke, and I'm thinking that we're swinging through like this, and we're going to hit bottom. Young guys, this is going to happen to you. You're going to put your hat on your head so many times that you will not think about putting your hat on your head. All I know is that as we're swinging, it, I know it took no more than three or four seconds. I probably had my neck dam already on because I knew I was locking out. Mm-hmm. And all I can remember is somehow, by some providence, my helmet was on my head. And at sub-C... We had these three-way valves. Up was topside gas, horizontal was like this was no gas, and then down was onboard emergency gas. And I remember I fell across the bell, and I slammed my gas on. So literally, in less than five seconds, my hat was on. The entire bell was flooded except for a little bubble. Shit's floating everywhere. Tad's screaming, all stop, all stop. And now I'm screaming at Tad, put on your hat, put on your hat, put on your hat. Tad's not putting on his hat. He's screaming, "All stop. Jeez. The whole shittery stops. Everything's cool. The bell kind of rights itself. But it's still got, you know, four foot of water in the damn thing. Tad's screaming, "All will stop. I'm screaming, put on your hat. It flips upside down again. Wow. I can remember, as we speak right now, with all the calmness I could possibly have in the world, looking at Tad and just going, you're going to drown, motherfucker, and I'm good with it. I told you to put your damn hat on. You're not putting your hat on. Okay. And the difference was Tad knew what was going on. And the reason the bell... Rided itself was Tad wasn't very good at Marlin Pike spike seamanship, I'm guessing. And and he had tied like a clove hitch and it slipped. So the bell went good. Oh, and you. then it grabbed and the bell flipped. I just remember it so well. And classic, you know, nineteen said to be in early nineties diving. We figure it all out. We get everything squared away. We blow the water out of the bell. Thank God it didn't get up into the scrubber. It didn't get into the radio. Or if it did, I don't freaking remember. Tad never put his hat on. I'm, <laughs> I'm still mad <laughs> still at him. Still didn't Tad. put
1: his hat on. Yeah,
2: I'm still <laughs> mad at him about that one. I still talk to the guy. And um, good dude. And we get everything straight. And... The supervisor's name was Cecil, and he was a year or two ahead of me in dive school, probably two years ahead of me. He goes, oh, Okay, how you feel? I'm like, well, aside from the fact that I'm fairly certain we almost died, I'm doing great. He goes, Okay, you ready to lock out? You know, what do you say? You can't be a pussy. I'm like, right. Yeah, <laughs> Send it. I'll lock out. He goes, Okay, put your hat on, go sit on the stage. Well, what's that gonna do, dude? what do we sit out there and freaking meditate for a little <laughs> while just let's do this so that's kind of my funny story it yeah, wasn't funny horrible. at the time but it was good no that. sure it wasn't that same sat though i i'm not a huge sat diver i got six eight ten sat jobs under my belt you know because i i'm an 80s diver so sat was not as prevalent as it is now you know It was really kicking off when i got in there but i've been in i've done it and um this is another good thing for your young listeners, and the old guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. Everyone dies is just dying to get into SAT. You know, that's their, that's the, their glory. I'm going to be a SAD diver, all this shit. They can't wait to do it. They're dying to do it. And the second that door slams behind you and you start getting pressurized, you know you, know you ain't coming out for 30 days. You're like, oh, God. This sucks. <laughs> what have Wait, done? They're, pay- yeah, what oh I- they're paying. Yeah, what am I done? They're me oh, no. at that time. They paid us six hundred dollars a day to be stuck in the steel tube. You can't even flush your own freaking toilet, and then that's a story that if you've never heard, Donald Boone, look that one up. Have you ever heard of Donald Boone? You his have. Asshole sucked out. He- uh, yeah, that would be it. What happened? Um, <laughs> no, let's let's hear that one.
0: No, he just he got his ass sucked out of the toilet because.
2: His butt made a seal on the toilet, and he was at 250 feet, and when they flushed it, you now have a delta P, and your butt, your sphincter is the weak link. (laughs) So Mr. Sphincter, well, the sphincter didn't go. Three and a half feet of his intestines went out. Wow. Yeah, and you know what he did? He reached in the toilet, pulled his three and a half feet of intestines out, and went and laid on his bunk waiting for the doctor to come. They flew two doctors out, one guy with very little experience, another guy with a lot of experience. I think, if I recall, they forgot the scalpel. So they treated this guy with no anesthesia and a spider co, I'm guessing. (laughs) And, And you know what the guy said when the doctor locked in? Hi, doc. I'd have said,
1: can you just kill me now? (laughs)
2: That's a true story.
1: Wow. Talk about a colon cleanse. Yikes. Oh,
2: shit, huh? So, what the... Oh, so anyway. Yeah, you know, the right kind of person. You like to read. You like to meditate. You like to just sit there and veg. You like staring at walls. That is for you, man. But, you know, you can see I'm a little animated and high-strung. And If you're not diving, you're stuck. You're in a steel can. And I'd had enough. I wasn't doing it anymore. Some guys love it. I, I, Some I guys mean, that's, do love that's it. for them, you know. And I can remember. I,
1: so many jobs under the sea, isn't there? Yep.
2: Yeah. And I can remember I, one day I woke up and I'm looking out the port. You know, you're, you're looking out the port. You know, you're a freaking monkey in a pen. And I was so mad at my wife. I'm like, God damn it, Christina left the window open again. And I look around. Oh, shit, you're in a sad chamber. And I took out a Sharpie and I wrote, God, if you let me out of here, I promise to never do it again. <laughs> and that, that, nobody ever painted it. Nobody ever cleaned it. I had a guy from the Gulf of Mexico three weeks ago come out here and have um, lunch with me. And he said, Jeff, you remember what you wrote? Because it, it got famous at Subsea." He goes, I saw it. I saw it on a sat a while ago. I said, no shit, man.
1: That's funny. That's so, crazy. yeah, and I
2: never did. That was my, and that, it was a sat I didn't even want to be in. You know, it's so funny. You're dying to get in a sat, and you're trying to get the hell out, and I had a, another guy was supposed to go in, and at the last minute he said, I ain't doing it, and my boss mm-hmm. came up saying, you go. I'm like, I don't want to. And he goes, well, I don't care what you want. You're getting yeah. in that thing.
1: Say <laughs> so you go, you go. Yeah. Hey, when she goes, she goes.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a trip. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? so just you know all i can say um is you know my brother always talks about situational awareness you know i'll I'll tell you i guess i'll tell you one more story i'm kind of out of stories a little bit or i'm actually well whatever it's another tragedy you know because that's the shit you remember yeah and uh we were doing a job up on up point conception And every day the choppers would fly out. It was too far for the boats to come unless we were bringing a bunch of stuff. So personnel came back and forth on choppers. And um, it was on a McDermott barge and there had been a helicopter accident in the Middle East um, a few months before where a chopper on a wet deck. So they told us, I don't know, I wasn't there, but it hit that chopper pad and slid off which I don't know how it happens, but that's what they told us. So they sent us out a cargo net, you know, on those big hemp or manila nets, and we spread it out so the chopper would land on that. And well, I, was, I was the deck foreman, I wasn't sat yet, I was waiting for my turn, and it was probably about eight in the morning, this chopper comes in and I'm standing between two buildings, and literally the space between two buildings is about what these two tables are. And I'm standing there talking to a guy, and I said, you know, I'd like to see one of those crash one day. And, you know, that's—I didn't say I have to. I didn't say I'm going to make it happen. I said, I'd like to see one—that's a that's, that's no, fucked it's up. just
1: one of those stupid things we say, you know. Yeah, it's a, a terrible thing yeah. to say. Yeah, it's terrible, but it's, it's like saying, man, it'd be cool if that building caught fire, you know.
2: So the next day the bell, there's something wrong with the bell. And we got it on deck, and I'm up on the very top of the bell trying to figure out I'm sure it's a comms problem because it's always a freaking comms problem on a bell, you know? So I'm up there and there's a chopper sitting on the chopper pad and they're take they're gonna take in a couple of my friends and then a guy that's going in, his name was Boudreaux. No shit, not making this up. Um he uh, was going to go in and donate, like, a kidney to his son. And then the other guy was, I um, can't remember his name, but we're probably not supposed to use names, super famous McDermott superintendent, Joe. I don't remember his last name. And um, I'm sitting looking down, and I can hear, you know, your, your ear gets tuned to the job, you know. You can tell the compressor's quitting before the compressor quits because it makes a one hiccup. And um, I hear, wow, I go, the chopper doesn't sound right. And I look up just in time for the bird to come off the deck and then slam down, hit the deck. The tail boom goes flying off. The chopper comes up and heads straight for me. What's left of the chopper? And in the time I could react from it's going to hit me to I got about this far around, it hit the counterweight on the crane and exploded into a million pieces. And if helicopters are made out of tin foil and foam, yeah. that's what they're, there was shit everywhere. So here's my story. One, I jumped off of the bell because the chopper hit. And then flipped and ended up kind of upside down in the water right next to the barge. And I ran up to the bar, to the side of the barge, because I had two friends that were on that thing, or at least people I knew well. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for him and looking for him. And I see one of them, and he's he got thrown out of the chopper, and he's waving his hands, So I know he's all right, as far as I know. And then I see the chopper, and there's two dudes still in it. And um there's you know the, the barge probably had 100 people on it and there's probably 50 60 of us and they're all on deck and everyone's yelling and pointing and I don't know what got into me I'm not a hero my point is you never know how people are going to react and you never know how you're going to react yeah that day I reacted well the next day maybe not I'm not saying anything I'm not a seal I'm not trained I don't know that shit I just get up in the morning and do my thing and you know, whatever. But on that day, I decided to do the right thing, I guess. And I knew, and you could see the chopper was sinking. So I had on red wing boots and I kicked them off, threw my hard hat away. Back then we didn't bother wearing with life vests. And I saw this spot in the ocean that was clear of debris And didn't have that slick of the aviation fuel, whatever the hell they use. And I made one of the most beautiful, I got one more story I got to tell you after (laughs) this one. It's great. It's worth it. And I made this beautiful dive. And I nailed it right in the middle of that open spot. And I went over and I'm trying to get the dude out of the chopper because it's sinking. And, you know, we're all used to those push button type of. Belts. Well, the choppers still use these kinds. You cam over, and I'm, I'm and somebody else undo a seatbelt. So I undo the seatbelt and I get that dude out. And then, I the, the chopper's damn near underwater. But you know, I was a surfer. I was a cool dude. And I get I get down there and I get the next guy out, and I pull him out and he rolls over and he's just like this red foam coming out of his terrible. Yeah. And, and I'm looking up. And there's like 40 dudes pointing at me yelling, get that. I'm like, what the fuck? Why are you here by myself? You know, could you at least climb down and help? And a couple did. But, you know, so my rationale, right, wrong, indifferent, I don't know. But in an emergency, 80% of the people will run around pulling their hair out screaming. It just, they're worthless. 10% will do exactly the wrong thing whatever the wrong thing is it's as if they've been briefed they will do that and then ten percent will do the right thing that's 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 what I think yeah you know, and I just so I've done CPR on two maybe three people I don't remember you do no two you do not want me to do CPR on you because neither one of them freaking lived so apparently I'm not very good at it but I'll remember doing that one guy and his his chest was just eggshells. Mm. It was disgusting. Yeah. So that was a story. I'm going to tell you one more story. Okay? Yeah. I, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to tell stories, but this is a good one. I like it. I love stories.
0: All yeah, right. This so is perfect. Kind of tell, tell me doing. a story.
2: Okay. So I was a young diver. I wasn't a supervisor yet. It's was probably grade two, maybe grade three. I don't remember. We are diving in this shallow water field, um, jet, hand-jetting a pipeline down. And there was like three lift boats out there, each with a dive team. We're all jetting, 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 jetting. And uh, the guy that was a supervisor on my lift boat was this real old school guy, and he didn't like the stress of supervising. And we had a, something happen, so all the boats you know, kind of ganged up to each other, you know, so everyone could talk, and we could transfer gear one boat to the other, whatever. And Carlos said, you know, I just don't want to be the supervisor. So I went to the superintendent and I said, hey, Jim, um, Carlos doesn't want to be the supervisor, but I'd like to be. You know, I hadn't, I'd had supervised really small jobs, but not something with this many people. I go, I'd like to do it. And he, Jim says, if it's okay with Carlos, you can do it. And I said, Carlos is good, so good. So I'm now the supervisor. Big mistake. Because <laughs> my head's about this freaking <laughs> big, man. I'm now. And why I wanted to be the supervisor was it was winner. And it was really cold and really shallow. So we weren't getting any depth pay. So you're spending two, three hours in the water. Just miserable. Miserable. The supervisor only made one dive, the last dive of the day. And it was only to go take pneumos to see what you did in the ditch. So I'm thinking, that's for (laughs) freaking me. So I'm the supervisor now. I'm the boss. And I liked coffee in the chamber, especially if it's cold. And it's midnight now. It's midnight. And I want coffee in the chamber. And I want it a particular way. (laughs) It's got to be sweet and just right. And I would tell them I want the color to be the color of a mulatto princess's thigh. And I was very particular And so they pick me up. It's freezing fucking cold, and they make you get sprayed with a fresh water hose before you get in the chamber to get all the shit off you. So they spray me. I look in the chamber, and not only is it not the color of Mulatto Princess's inner thigh, there's no coffee in there at all. And I am pissed. And this little tender, kind of a newer guy, his name was Rich Kelly, greasiest hair in the world, man. Anyway, it was his job to get my coffee. And I was furious. I was screaming, I want my coffee, I want it now, go get it. And he's like, you gotta get in the chamber. I'm, like, I'm the supervisor, I don't have to get in the fucking chamber if I don't want you, I want the coffee, go get it. So he goes ripping under the galley, he gets the coffee, here's the chamber door, I don't know if your camera works, it's right here. I'm naked Completely My penis is right here Rich comes He's terrified He comes ripping around the corner It's a wet deck And he slips It goes like this The coffee Made a perfect arc Like a rainbow There was still coffee here When it touched my penis (laughs) He nailed me with the entire cup, but the beauty of it all was there was still coffee in the cup, so there was this arcing visualize it. <laughs> arcing thing of hot coffee connecting my penis to that cup. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? And I, it burned the hell out of my penis. I made him get me another cup and I got in the chamber) <laughs> So there you go I'll leave you Stand with that the rules I need my coffee <laughs> With that image Oh my goodness <laughs> it was good. that was
1: Oh good man oh, that, was the, that was great yeah. Wow Coffee on the wiener
2: Yeah Coffee it On
0: and around the wiener
1: no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it does <laughs> not happen. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Never hurt anyone. No. I'm experience. pretty sure that the, the uh, only person on earth that had that experience.
0: That's great.
1: Oh, my goodness. But yeah, so I, I mean, I, I was super stoked uh, before coming here, you know, really excited about, about being here and doing this cool. episode. And now, after and, the uh, penis story, you're yeah. really oh, excited. Oh, yeah, super excited. Because yeah, you know idea. me, and so yeah, i so excited. I just love it. <laughs> Just love those stories, not about penises. I mean, You're no, not, no. I you got I mean like dive now. story. No, oh, okay. I don't. I mean like dive stories. it's yes. what I love. Yeah. Why did everybody get quiet when I said I love it? It's <laughs> good. Okay. Now it's really awkward. Yeah. Anyhow, you made it all. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for having us. Yeah. This has been Thank an amazing you guys. time. it has came been all way good. Yeah. I
2: appreciate it. It's and been a uh, good day. Yeah, it's been a great that, uh, day. Hope it was worth your time and yeah, cool show, really cool. Maybe I'll watch one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no,
0: me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, you know, I wish you guys the best, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks thank a lot you. for having yeah. us. For you sure, bet. you're this, welcome. It's been uh, it's
1: been a great time. Thanks for talking right. to our students. They they dig
0: it. Yeah, they're good guys. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. And All thank right. you, Matt. Oh yeah, yeah. How's That's the family, right. man? That good. little girl must be getting old, huh? Yeah, little girl's getting old, and I got an eight-month-old boy now. Oh goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. It's good. We're growing. Well, you
2: ain't quitting anytime <laughs> no,
1: soon. No, no, no. <laughs> I, Keep <laughs> telling me he's gonna have lo- three more.
0: I still love diving,
1: man. I I love my job. Yeah, good. All right, well, awesome. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, hopefully you guys can uh, join us on the next episode of the Bottom Dollars Dive Shack. All right, guys. See you on the next episode. Yep. Right on. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. Make sure you like and follow on our social media pages, on Instagram and Facebook. Please share this podcast with your friends or anyone interested in commercial diving. The only way that uh, we can make this successful is if we do get a lot of people that are listening. We get more listeners, we get more sponsors, and that means more free stuff for you guys. That's right. We are hooking up all of our diver brothers and sisters in the trade. And uh, if you keep sharing and liking, we're able to do that a lot more. Our Instagram is at Bottom Dwellers DS. Our Facebook is Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. And you can always like and follow me at LB Diver on both. The Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack is available on all podcast platforms Apple, Spotify, Anchor. We also have it streaming on our website at thebottomdwellers.com. So keep listening, keep it safe, keep it salty. This is LB Diver, out.